Hello there, my friends. Hope that you're doing well today. This is Spencer Michaud. Today we're going to be talking about the full moon lunar eclipse in Sagittarius. So the opposition of the sun in Gemini and the full moon in Sagittarius. Today we'll talk a little bit about the different lunations, the last quarter moon, and maybe what we're building towards with a new moon solar eclipse, and sort of the general astrology of the the moment we've got a lot going on right now in the sky and um yeah so we'll we'll go on a little bit of journey today if you have any questions please feel free to put them in the chat box please tell me where you're coming from today and say hi so that i know that you're there um, i always enjoy seeing um where people are at and how they're doing so uh i'm happy that you're able to join me today and we will see if we can do the best that we can to bring some clarity to the situation at hand. All right. So everybody doing okay out there? Out there in virtual land? Um, we, of course, have a full moon lunar eclipse that's happening on Wednesday, the 26th of May. So this is... Uh, you know, a period of time where we're building up to a, a peak chapter marker where we're going to be letting go of some things. I see that Susanna's in the chat here. It's good to see you. Did you cut your hair? Do you have a ponytail? Yeah, I've got a ponytail man bun happening today. It's just, it's really hot up here in my apartment. And, uh, you know, I'm just kind of tying it, tying it back. I'm, I'm getting close to haircut land, though. I am, a, I recently have been vaccinated, so I'm getting much closer to maybe feeling more comfortable getting a getting a haircut and, and uh, moving forward with summer in um, the upper Midwest here of America. I see we have some more people joining us in the chat. Aaron from Des Moines. Hello, Aaron. Hello, Casey from Oregon. Um, everybody's asking if I cut my hair. Uh, no, I have a I have a ponytail today, man bun city. But probably will get a haircut soon. It's been a while. It's been since the beginning of the pandemic and I'm due. I'm due for a freshen up. I think that one of the things I like about getting a haircut every once in a while is it feels like you're releasing old energy. And um, I think that there's a lot of things that need to be released over, that we've been experiencing over the past year or so. Um, We've gone through a little bit of a rough go here, haven't we? As a, as a community, as a, as a world, as a, I don't know, as a species. So I think that uh, that's one of the things I wanted to just kind of point out right away is that this lunation, um, this full moon lunar eclipse that we're experiencing, uh, is really a, a letting go period. So I think that. Um, if we take a look at the chart, I'll explain some of the details with that. But I wanted to give you just a little bit of an overview before we kind of dive into it. So if you're thinking about main themes, about what you're going to be uh, experiencing, it may be about reconsidering some of your beliefs, especially with Sagittarius moon and Jupiter being the host of that moon. Um, we're going off in search of new meaning right now. We have the sun in Gemini that's showing us different. I've been kind of getting Mars lately. We have Mars in Cancer that is creating some difficulty in our domestic spheres and in places where we thought nurturing was coming. We've experienced conflict, and that's 
been something that I've been going through over the last week or two, having to pay a lot of attention to some domestic challenges and some issues that have come up around my house too, just physical things around the house too, like leaky leaky pipes, uh, Mars and Cancer, a water sign, right? Um, people uh, penetrating your space, like like I've been talking about over the last few weeks, someone dro- drove into my fence and into our yard with their car. So little, things like that, but also just like emotional challenges that come up over the, the course of time. And and um, I think we're trying to make sense of that with the changes that are coming. So what I want to do is take a look at the chart here and start breaking it down. Uh, Il- Ilaria is here as well. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad that you're back. Uh, you are a tarot reader. So it's, it's fun to have all these nice guests here. Aaron says that they have had a vague stomach ache the whole time Mars has been in cancer. It is lame. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. Um, I think that a lot of the anxiety that can come up by having some of the sources of nurturing cut off can, can help us or can hinder us from really digesting the experiences of life. Um, and I think a lot of times we might feel that in some of those parts of our body, like where we normally would be taking in that nourishment, we're experiencing hardship or pain or things of that nature. Um, I guess on just another mundane note, it's just gotten really hot where I live too. And I am not, I'm a Northern, I have Northern ancestry of Northern countries and I do not deal with heat very well. I, I, we're in the second, excuse me, story apartment of a really old house we have like window units and stuff, but we just, we're in the process of, of getting out our ACs and it's just a million degrees up here. And I think, I don't know about you, but I tend to melt into like the couch or whatever when things get hot, especially the beginning of the hot season, you have to kind of adjust uh, to the new, the new energy, the new heat. And, and it, it's a weird adjustment period. Casey is saying that they have plumbing issues the day Mars ingressed into cancer and domestic disruptions. Yeah, I, I've had plumbing issues in my house. And it's it's actually going around in this house. Um, you know, our bath bathroom faucet is really messed up and leaky in the downstairs apartment, they're having stuff going on in their kitchen. So um, really, it's sometimes it plays out very literally. And the the domestic stuff is, you know, for someone like me who who relies on that, I think a lot of Cancerian folks who have Cancerian placements, and this is true for everybody to a certain extent, but some of us, you know, lean on these things more than others. Having your your safe space, your sanctuary, your family relationships being a little bit unsettled can be um, it can be really destabilizing. That's that's what I've been going through lately with some of that kind of stuff. Um, says your lives are always inspiring and insightful i'm glad to catch them yeah when we share stories here in the in the chat box and on these these lives i think it is really healing to be able to hear what we're all going through um in the moment because astrology is really it's about living it we're trying to break down the symbols but we're trying to apply it to our life the point of exploring these symbols is how can we live a more conscious life, right? How can we get an awareness of what's going on and, and move through it with grace? Uh, Susanna says, too much heat makes me angry. Too much cold makes me sad. <laughs> yeah, right? It's like your blood starts to boil when it gets hot. 
and uh you know everything moves you know i think that's like kind of the sun and saturn too like you can think of like the opposites with that in that regard like the sun if you get too close to the sun it heats things up and you get the the anger of the 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 monarch or something of that nature where saturn slows everything down to a, a, a snail's pace and it, it is that quality of coldness and and dryness although i did get a really cool book recently uh from a suggestion from a from a student I'm working with where they're talking about Saturn as being cold and damp um, in the tradition. And this was a Charles Olbert book, Saturn Through the Ages. I really, really like Charles's books. He, he tends to collect source texts and uh, kind of give you his own commentary on, on the different authors throughout time. And it's really useful to see it all compiled in a particular, in like one particular space. So Really, really enjoy his work. Um, I, I recommend that book too. Okay, so yeah, we're kind of getting, we're talking Mars and Cancer war stories here for uh, before we get into the lunar eclipse. Um, I think that the 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 thing about this is it's temporary, and this too shall pass. Mars is going to pass out of Cancer probably in mid June or so. I have to think about what the actual day of it is. Let's take a look here. Um, just so we can give ourselves, uh, <laughs> you know, a little bit of hope on the horizon. Yeah, we've got June 11th, right around the, the full, or, sorry, the new moon solar eclipse is going to take place. And then Mars is leaving its, its fall in Cancer. So that is uh, an important type of um, the energy we're going to be experiencing as well. So let's get back to what we're going through right now. I'll just look at what's going on in the sky right now, and then we'll talk about the full moon lunar eclipse, um, and we'll just start breaking it down. Any questions so far before we, before we roll on here? Um, try to give a little bit of summary of, of the energy we're experiencing, and, and then go into some more depth for those of you who are more interested in that type of thing. Um, one of the things that's been going on over the last week or two is we are experiencing Jupiter and Pisces. So just a brief uh, touch on that. I did a whole video on Jupiter and Pisces if you want to check that out on my channel. But really this is uh, about going off in search of meaning. And this is important for this lunation because it is the host of the moon during this uh, particular full moon lunar eclipse. So we can see here, this card, the, the Eight of Cups, uh, we have a figure that is going off into the wilderness, leaving material success behind and trying to, to find maybe unity again with their animating principle, with their soul, right? It's like, how do you, a lot of times we start getting into these ruts where we're, you know, going through our motions, we're, you know, through engagement with material reality we have to you know pay our bills figure out how we're going to pay the rent you know take care of our bodies and we can get it's very easy to get into habitual routines um, where we're just going through the motions without thinking about the why and i think that jupiter and pisces right now is really putting the focal point back on the why we're doing what we're doing and that can have two effects. The first effect that it can have is it, it can begin to give us some dissatisfaction with the reality that we're living. Uh, I think that 
any precursor to important changes may be a little bit of an impetus to make that change. And human beings aren't really, um, they're not fans of change. As far as my experience goes, I know I personally am not a huge fan of change. Uh, it depends, depends on what it is. But I think a lot of the times we make changes once we feel uncomfortable enough to make the change. When things are going well, we want to sustain that energy and that good fortune. Um, but when things, when we get this dis dissatisfaction, that's when we start to be like, okay, what can we do differently? And I really think that Jupiter in the first decan of Pisces um, brings that type of experience to us, right? We're going through the labyrinth. That's what Austin Coppock calls that decan, the kind of this maze where we're trying to go internal to figure out what um, is going to, you know, what the blueprint of our, of our life is that we want to create from, okay? Uh, what is really the, the deeper, satis more satisfying, um, higher purpose that we have? Remember that Pisces was associated with the ninth house and the Thema Mundi, which was a metaphorical natal chart of the world where we're using that as a teaching tool to find meaning. So if we go back to our chart, can see that it's associated with the ninth house here, which is what where we go when we're finding meaning before we are taking action in the tenth. Okay, it it was the the image that was on the tenth house through diurnal motion, through the the daily motion of the sun. You know these houses are going to rise in clockwise motion, so we can think of that as like, okay, we need to think about why we're doing what we're doing before we do it. Okay. And I think that as, since Jupiter has moved into Pisces, a couple things have happened. Uh, you know, I've kind of been like, oh, I'm grinding away at doing things this certain way. And it's not bringing me total happiness, right? It, there was some definitely some good things from doing things the way that I was doing it. Um, I've been building up an audience on these channels and things like that. Um, but there was some other things that it was taking away from. I think it was a, a little bit of an unbalanced experience, right? I was, some of other parts of my life were suffering um, because I was not in an equilibrium. So I think that, and I wonder out there in chat land and hello, Tanya from Michigan. <laughs> it's just co coming. It's coming from inside the house. That's the joke that I make when Tanya gets on here. Tanya is my partner. So sometimes she'll pop on the chats and make sure that I'm uh, not saying anything super dumb. <laughs> like, um, but anyway, I want to know for those of you out there, have you been feeling this Jupiter Pisces energy? Have you been feeling maybe a, a, little, a little bit of discontent in a certain area of your life that's, that's maybe propelled you to go off in search of some kind of higher purpose and some kind of higher meaning. Because I think that's the, really the best way to use this Jupiter energy right now. Um, one of the other things that, that that ingress has led to is it was co-present with Saturn recently. And as you can see on my chart here, the numbers are red, which means that Saturn has recently turned retrograde, I think as of today. Okay, so that this is another thing we'll, we'll touch on today in this live stream. We're going to try to do a, a comprehensive thing. 
as much as we can. But Jupiter was hanging out with Saturn for a long period of time, which was sort of mitigating or softening some of the Saturnian kind of feelings of exile, feelings of being on the outside looking in. Uh, Jupiter was really trying to bring some unity to, to that experience. And now those two energies have separated. They were working in tandem and in harmony. And this is something that I discussed uh, at, at length with my friend C.V. Henriette of Art of the Zodiac the other day on her channel, um, is that now we have these two planets more in their pure form, but they don't see each other. They don't witness each other. Okay, This is an important concept in Hellenistic astrology, is when planets are witnessing each other, they are communicating with each other and working in tandem. Now we have a more pure expression of Saturn, which really is dealing with hardship. Uh, it's dealing with maybe bringing an equilibrium, but through contraction and through maybe what feels like divine punishment. Um, and we're going to be reviewing some of those boundaries and some of those, uh, you know, social blueprints that we're working from with Saturn going retrograde. And now Jupiter also is in a more pure form or pure expression as it moves into its own temple or its own domicile of, Ju of Pisces, its nocturnal temple. So it, Jupiter's energy is more about unification, bringing things together, creating, okay? I've said in this in recent weeks that, you know, Mr. Obert, who I, I, I gave a plug to earlier, really talks about um, Saturn being the overall, uh, I don't know, plan that we're in the overall like platonic forms that we are drawing from. But Jupiter is and Zeus is the, is the demiurge who is creating and saying, okay, I've got the plan. Now I'm going to beget all these children. If you think about Zeus and his mythology, he was, you know, a promiscuous god that had many, many children with many different, you know, human and, and, and goddesses alike, okay? So it is about bringing things into form. Zeus also, and Jupiter also, in different, uh, in different mythological stories, overcame the old order and overcame a monster or a dragon to bring peace to the land. So there is this peacemaking quality with, with Zeus or Jupiter as well. So we have this need to create, we have this need to bring peace, we have this need to unify the inner with the outer with Pisces. I think that's one of the things that, that, that the Piscean temple, that planets there are really um, being asked to do is saying, how can you get integrity between what you're feeling inside and your higher self, your soul, your motivation, and the actions that you are taking externally. All right. And, and we're, but we're still being asked by Saturn in Aquarius to review like what type of forms we're going to be creating as a collective. Okay. And again, just to review, they were working together, 
when they were in the same temple, but now they are maybe uh, not really at cross purposes because they're not squared or anything like that. They're just not even communicating at all. And I think that the way that this has played out is just as Jupiter moved into Pisces, a lot of the mask restrictions came out. There was this almost this confusion too about, well, oh my God, we're, you know, we're allowed to do everything now. Like all the, all the barriers have been uh, taken down, right? All the boundaries are, uh, that we thought we needed have been removed, which may or may not be the case. I, I, again, I'm going to preach caution. I just have a cautious personality. So we've had times in the past over the course of this pandemic where some information came out and then it was walked back later. And I just, I do want to make sure I'm clear on this because Jupiter will retrograde in the end of June and move back into Aquarius at the end of July. So a lot of the freedoms, a lot of the liberation, a lot of the dreams that we want to pursue right now, we may have to reconsider some of those things as we move forward into the summer. It doesn't mean we can't dream. It just means that there is... Uh, there may be some things where we need to kind of slow our roll a little bit. And the I Ching talked about this in the reading that I did too. That just to give you a preview of that, the I Ching hexagram that I got was, was number nine, which is really about restraint. There was something in that called, um, you know, dark clouds, but no rain, right? Where it's this, you can feel all of the elements for release, but we're not quite we're not quite there yet. And I think that now we're, we're just, like I said, with the separation of these two energies, it may be a little bit more difficult to reconcile this hope that we have for the future with the reality that we have to deal with from Saturn. Um, and again, I, I guess that there's going to have to be an intermediary between those two types of experiences right now. One of the things I'm playing with, uh, in my studies is this concept of aversions. So you can say that these two planets right now are in aversion to one another. Okay. They don't witness one another. There's no line of sight. Well, Martin Hermes talks about, well, is there planets that, that witness both planets? Okay. Well, in this case, yes, we have all of these Gemini planets witnessing both Jupiter by square and Saturn by trine. So many of these planets, the Sun, Venus, and Mercury, may be playing intermediary to these two planets. So what does that mean? Well, because we're moving through the sign of Gemini, a, a place of choices, a place of exploration, we have to be able to hold duality that we can have hope for the future but also we can still maybe have caution for being able to heal from some of the past experiences of the last year. This is something that we've been going through as a family recently is we've been, I would say, on the more extreme end of caution. We tend to be fairly risk averse as a family. We've been you know, wearing masks from day one We've been social distancing and basically sheltering in place for the last 14 months. And, you know, it, it's kept us healthy. It's kept us safe. But there, it's difficult to just to get to the point where you're at DEFCON 5 
and then just say, oh, everything's fine again, you know, because there's trauma associated with that. There's a trauma response associated with, I have to be on my guard completely all the time. And then to be like, oh, everything's fine again. And I think that, and I wonder in the chat, if you're experiencing that as well, where there's, um, you know, it, it is, yeah, it's, it's a really tough emotional thing to go through. And that might be part of this eclipse energy as well, is how do we let go of some of the habits and beliefs of the last six months, of the last year, and begin that process of healing? Because I, I do think we are getting over the hump. I, fingers crossed. Um, my, my family and I have been vaccinated. We're, you know, trying to think about how we can re-enter society gradually rather than all at once because the all at once thing doesn't never works for for me or for the people that i live with I, again i preach balance right and balance is step by step so how are you reintegrating how are you processing the trauma we have Ilaria saying here i am a capricorn stellium and i'm overworking since i found my purpose in my work but I need to shift my approach with Saturn retrograde in my eighth. Saturn is the Lord of the year this year as well. Yeah. So what Ilaria is talking about is she is going through um, a annual perfection where one house is activated and it happens to be one of the two uh, Saturn ruled houses, either Capricorn or Aquarius. So what she's doing is she's looking at one particular planet as really having a spotlight turned on to that planet right now. So I'm sure that what she's feeling is now reviewing some of the different changes that she's been uh, had to make out of necessity, right? Saturn is that planet of necessity where sometimes it's things that we have to do that we don't necessarily want to, but we have to restore right proportion. I, I think of Saturn decreases things to bring things back into balance. It decreases that which is excessive. I've said in the past that Saturn may increase things that are uh, uh, deficient. And I think that that could still be the case. It was pointed out to me by, by Tanya, actually, when we were talking about this, that maybe Jupiter is what increases that which is deficient to bring balance. And I think that could be the case as well. Um, I don't think that Saturn's favorite... Uh, mode of operating is increase. It is definitely a planet of decrease. I will say though, when you decrease something, sometimes the natural homeostasis response is that something else is increased. So it, it may just be that by decreasing something, something automatically increases in your life. Tanya says, channeling my inner cicada and gradually emerging from my seclusion but shedding the layers is mad awkward. Next step, screaming in a tree. Perhaps. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I saw that. Tanya posted a, uh, a little cartoon about, it was sort of like, I think it was in regards to um, getting back on the, the horse of social, social behavior. And uh, it was pretty funny. It was kind of like, you know, what she's talking about, like we're shedding this, old skin that we had, but it goes in stages. Um, Yevgen says, I still try to create a scheme to merge my American and Ukrainian family like a juggler I am. Uh, my descendant is the two of coins, right? So that's Capricorn one. 
Um, my moon and sun in Capricorn, where fear of Pluto retro keeps me up at night. Yeah, that's another thing we're going through. Pluto has turned retrograde recently, so there may be some things bubbling underneath the surface that we need to re-examine to let to be able to move forward and to hopefully come to terms with some areas of our life that we've experienced corruption in. We're also going to be experiencing Mars moving into an opposition with Pluto. It's doing that right now by whole sign, but we still are going to get to the peak experience of that uh, in the weeks ahead as Mars completes its transit through Cancer. So we, Mars-Pluto can really exacerbate some of these energies where we really feel like we're um, activating some really deep, dark pain and trauma that needs to be dealt with. Uh, Aaron says, I will go scream in a tree too if they try to make me go back to the office. Yeah, that's actually been something we've been talking about here in our household as well. Um, Tanya works in, a, in an office and has been working from home, and we've had a lot of anxiety about having to go back in person to things and talking about summer jobs for our teenage daughter and, and what we're comfortable doing and, and things like that. Um, I think it's going around. Ilaria says, oh yeah, the old Saturn, the old Saturn teacher. I can't wait to hear you talk about it. it's retrograde. Yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit here. I think I'm going to make a video about it as well um, and talk about the um, the acronical phase of Saturn. That's That's a fancy word for when Saturn is retrograde and kind of moving closer to an opposition with the sun. Um, so many Cancerians here. Yeah, we do have a lot of Cancer energy. I think I'm I'm throwing it out there. <laughs> like I think we get a lot of uh, Virgos, Virgo type people here because I'm you know either meticulous or anal retentive about the details, and I think that I'm speaking the mercurial language of Virgos. We've got a lot of Gemini type people that that come about in the chats. I work with a lot of Gemini people as students. Um, I really enjoy our conversations with people who have a lot of Gemini in their chart. Um, and then, yeah, the cancer energy is uh, prevalent as well. Um, I try to take a sensitive approach to what I'm doing here, and I think that resonates with people with those placements. Casey says, I am in a Saturn year two, second house, Capricorn rising. I've had my Saturn square exact in February and a nodal return. Now I have Jupiter, Neptune, and Pluto squares in my not-too-distant future. Yeah, I'm coming up on those Saturn years myself. I'm in a fifth house perfection, which is Jupiter-ruled in my chart, Sagittarius house. But at my birthday in July, I'll be heading into the two-year uh, Saturn Time Lord type of deal. As Saturn is still retrograde, um, we'll get through it. You know, I think that the key with Saturn placements is patience acceptance of reality. So if you're thinking about how do we deal with Saturn, it, it, it really is about, you know, not being too idealistic. Uh, I think that that's Jupiter's territory. I mean, I've been, since Jupiter's gone into Pisces, I've been dreaming a lot about the, the, the house of my dreams in the country in a quiet space and, you know, connecting with nature, but also feeling some frustration because I'm not quite there yet. I think this is really the, the the dream phase that we're in with Jupiter and Pisces is we're exploring right now, but we may not be quite ready to act on that dream, and that's okay. But a lot of the times we have to go through stages 
to really get clear as to what we want and to what it's going to take to make it a reality. That's, that's kind of the Saturn energy is Jupiter can dream till the cows come home, right? But Saturn says, well, what, what actual physical actions do you have to take? What beliefs do you have to let go of to make this a reality, right? And, and that can be painful sometimes. You know, right now the housing market is really, really expensive and competitive. And that can be a little demoralizing at time if you're looking for a house in this particular time frame. Um, again, we're not, we're not ready yet, but, but it's uh, something where you have to have faith in the process. That's where the Jupiter energy comes in. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Chernobyl is a, a Libra, Libra ascendant. Susanna says, my daughter has been sick and she took the test, but we haven't gotten the test result yet. She's been staying home a few days already. We're taking it easy. I'm sorry to hear that, Susanna. I hope that things work out okay. Um, I know that there's still, you know, COVID is still a thing in the world. There are still communities that are suffering from it. I hope that that's not what's going on with your daughter, but I, fast healing if, uh, for whatever she's going through. Um, you know, Susanna's got a cancer son like me, so same degree. So we've been getting hit pretty hard by this Mars transit, I would imagine. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult thing when Mars is in the same sign as your luminaries, right? Especially if it's a luminary of sect, uh, it can really create some havoc. It creates that, almost that tower experience in the tower card where things crumble, um, we've been going through that here as a family where a lot of things have been uh, kind of taken away lately that we've come to rely on as sources of nurturing. And we have to just rebuild, you know, it's, it's sometimes that's just life, right? Uh, Aaron says, I have the ruler of my 10th in the 4th. I love working from home. And yes, my 10th is cancer and home to my ascendant ruler. Yeah, I hear you, Aaron. I love working from home. I like having my partner working from home. Um, I'm lucky that, that most of my work is home-based right now, but I will say that I've been offered a lot of opportunities recently to do some things outside of the home, like, like metaphysical fairs and stuff like that, where I would be meeting with the public. And I just, uh, I'm just not ready. I just had to turn, I've had to turn down some public opportunities. Um, and I, like I said, I just, I couldn't, couldn't get, get up the, the nerve yet. And I think that, like I said, I'm going to have to integrate into society slowly and just throwing myself in front of strangers that are just passing through is, is not in my comfort zone yet. So I, I can, I can empathize with that kind of energy right now. Um, Tanya says at Casey cap rising rules, but how brutal was it? that forever Saturn transit over the ascendant last year. Yeah, that was not fun. And you, cap risings have Pluto grinding over your ascendant as well. Um, and we're sending lots of healing love to Susanna. Susanna has been making a lot of great art lately. And I hope that that's bringing her some, some solace, like using her creativity to, to bring fine balance and peace in her life as well. Okay, so I think we've broken down Jupiter and Saturn right now. We've really talked a lot about Mars and Cancer cutting us off of sources of nurturing conflicts within the family. Um, we have the Sun, Venus, and Mercury moving through Gemini right now. So really, that 
that particular sign has to do with shaking things up. Uh, I think Mercury is a, a planet that brings ambiguity. We are going to be moving closer and closer to a Mercury retrograde that's going to be coming soon as well. Um, one of the things I wanted to point out that's been happening recently is uh, the, the North Node that we're going to be, you know, having these eclipses around the North Node and the South Node. Anytime that we have an eclipse, we have a lunation that is in the same sign as one of the nodes here. We, uh, we have a new moon or a full moon conjunct one of the nodes. And we have the North Node on 10 degrees of Gemini right now, which is, is, is conjoined a fixed star called Aldebaran, the Eye of the Bull. And that, that fixed star has a lot to do with integrity. And we had Venus conjoining uh, the North Node recently at 10 degrees of Gemini. And one of the things that Bernadette Brady talks about is there's a myth associated with Ohura Mazda. And there was a lot of uh, significations of, of being able to, to do um, the moral choice in that myth. And Brady talks about consequences being swift if there are integrity lapses. And we've gone through that as a family here where there were a few integrity lapses with some of our agreements that we had with one another and the the fall from grace was swift. Um, we've had some some parenting challenges lately and uh, like the, the tower crumbled um, because of those choices that were made. And I, I'm curious too, if you've experienced any integrity challenges over the last few weeks, because I really do think that that's part of the story also of this eclipse, because the, the North Node is going to be still hanging out on Aldebaran. The South Node is on the fixed star Antares, which is kind of the heart of the Scorpion. So inappropriate intensity is something to, to begin to let go of. Remember, the nodes are places of increase and decrease. Um, we have a lot of different ways we can think about the nodes. I can't go into all of it today, but modern astrology, well, evolutionary astrology thinks about it as something you're growing towards with the North Node and moving away from in the past in the South Node. But Hellenistic astrology and uh, Vedic or Jyotisha thinks of it in a different way. Hellenistic astrology thinks of the North Node as a point of increase and the South Node as a point of decrease. And this is important because they are lunar nodes. They are nodes of the moon. They're, they're literally places where the moon will cross the ecliptic, the path of the sun. So when we're seeing something pass over the North Node here, we're, we're rising, we're increasing. Whereas when we go below the ecliptic, there is that energy of decrease. Okay? So we're seeing the increase of mercurial significations right? Mercury is getting a boost. And Mercury questions. Mercury says, maybe there's a different way of doing something. Mercury is the, the, the cosmic lawyer that is, you know, trying to create doubt in, in a jury, right? It, it is not something that is necessarily trying to move towards a verdict. It is, it is the point in the year, Gemini and Virgo, where we're transitioning from light to dark. So in Gemini, we're, we're going to be moving to a peak experience, the summer solstice that happens at zero degrees of cancer. And then we're going to see darkness after that. We're going to see like the, the, the beginning of the days getting shorter. So Mercury is, is destabilizing 
to bring back the darkness. Remember, in myth, Hermes was a child of the night, okay? Zeus and Maya, the night. So it is bringing this kind of doubt energy. And when we have this decrease in Sagittarius, Jupiter is what is going to be experiencing sort of that decrease, right? The Jupiterian significations on some level. So Jupiter being associated with belief, with uh, unity, with peace, with, with uh, having this um, kind of, I don't know, like I know energy, right? I have the answer. So we may be having to release what used to be the correct answer and ask new questions so that we can move forward in our life. A lot of the times, what was once the correct answer eventually becomes the wrong one, okay? And, and if, even if we take it from a, if we take all the morality out of it completely and we think of it from the perspective of, of the Tao or Taoism and the I Ching, eventually extreme yang or extreme masculine active energy becomes yin. It becomes passive. It becomes feminine. And I mean that in the metaphorical way, right? It becomes receptive. So this is just a, a shifting point between where something has reached an extreme and now a change needs to happen to be able to bring things back into balance. Okay. Um, just checking the chat box here. We've got Casey says, hold on a second, I'm going back here. Um, wow, we got a lot of comments. Thank you for your comments. This is great. Um, Yevgen says, my jovial partner, ascendant Aries with Jupiter in the first, wants to go back to the office. Okay, right? <laughs> like a lot of, see, we said this belief um, and wanting to have freedom and wanting to get out of the house and things like that. Everybody's got a different uh, comfort zone with this type of thing. Susanna says, yes, Mars and Cancer has been tough. A lot of mother-daughter issues. Totally, I'm on board with you on that, Susanna. Um, Aaron says, I'm with you. We will do that sideways crab walk back out into society very, very slowly. Yes, and, and sometimes that requires one step forward and two steps back. This is, that's the crab walk, right? It's not a linear path. And, and I think that that's what I'm feeling here is I never really go completely directly, you know, whole hog into something. I kind of test the waters. That's what crabs do at the borders of the, the beach and of the ocean. They test and they're saying, is this safe? There's all of their sensory organs are very um, accentuated so that they are alert for all these predators that may be out there to, to you know, put them in danger. Casey says, it's been pretty brutal, but I got sober the day my Jupiter return exacted in Sagittarius and Saturn was conjunct my ascendant. Well, congratulations, Casey. That is a big, that is a big milestone. And this is something that, uh, you know, definitely bringing good fortune and Saturn being, you know, Jupiter is bringing good fortune, whereas also an honor and merit, okay, like kind of an achievement. But Saturn on the Ascendant is also a, a sober planet. It is the planet of, of coming to terms with reality. Um, 
without giving away too much, I think that I've had other people in my life who have gone through a transit in the first house experience and similar stories of sobriety. Um, that is really one of the themes of Saturn as well is, is coming to terms with reality and, and getting back into balance. A lot of the times when we struggle with substance challenges and things like that, it really throws off our equilibrium and we, we have a, a sense of suffering. So in that case, Saturn's contraction and removing something from your life brings you back into balance and brings a sense of peace and a sense of, uh, I don't know, a, a better experience. That's why we can't really think of these malefics as moral judgment, right? Because sometimes when things are removed from our life, it's actually liberating. It's actually bringing us back into balance and into peace. So I think we have to embrace Saturn sometimes, even if the, the experience is difficult. Um, we have some congratulations. Uh, yes. Congrats, Casey. Similar issues with a housemate over the dog yard schedule. Yeah, we've had, we've had some household like agreement integrity things going on lately as well. Um, couldn't have done it without Saturn and Jupiter. They are my strongest planets. Okay, good. Um, okay. Yes. Yeah. So Tanya's saying I got two on the super fun sobriety train a little while back. Congrats. It's such good stuff. Yeah. Tanya was going through a, a Saturn on the ascendant, um, type of experience and, and did a lot of the hard work to bring some balance into her life. <laughs> she says it was me. I didn't want to make assumptions, right? I, I know that when you have people who you know their personal stuff and you're doing these live public things you don't want to make assumptions that you know you have to have boundaries <laughs> but message retracted uh-oh um yeah but congratulations for all of you who have gone through that sober sobering experience and come out on the other side of it it's it's hard work and it is something to feel good about and it, it's something that will i think um you know, it, it takes practice over time. It, and sometimes we have relapses, right? Sometimes we can backtrack a little bit. But when you go through something like that, remember what got you to that milestone in the first place and, and then um, rededicate yourself. So that's another thing that I would caution you with, with Saturn moving retrograde. Sometimes this can feel like we are not able to put in some of the healthy boundaries. Uh, I think that um, it may be that we're loosening the bonds, right? That we're kind of saying, okay, we're just going to go, all bets are off. And it may be more difficult to be disciplined. So I would, I would take your time with anything where you're moving forward and, and releasing boundaries and things like that, because Saturn retrograde may may make it more difficult to know what is a healthy boundary and what isn't. Um, and, and it really requires a lot of reflection. What is happening when Saturn is on the, the witness stand again here is it's being recalled as a witness. This is another way you can think about retrogrades in the chart. And this is true for Mercury's upcoming retrograde on the 29th as well. Both of those planets have given testimony. They've said, they've been asked questions. They've given a statement. They've said, this is what type of experiences I am going to hand over into the life of whatever the person that's experiencing that 
signification is going through, right? So Saturn is saying, okay, we're going to have to restore some right proportion to the greater mechanizations of society because it's in Aquarius. It's in like, it, it makes rules for everybody in, in Aquarius, right? Not just for like the, the personal, although you'll experience it that way. It's saying, hey, we need to grow up as a society. We need to make things fair and, and, and bring balance to the way we treat uh, even the, the, the least powerful in our society. And we may be reviewing those things as, we, as Saturn is backing up again. Okay, we saw a lot of this with like uh, police reform, Black Lives Matter. We have a lot of questions coming up about colonialism. Um, this is something that's been on my mind lately. We've been watching this really great show in my house called Rutherford Falls, which really, it's, it's, it's a show that's written by Michael Schur, who did The Good Place and Parks and Rec um, and Brooklyn Nine-Nine, a really great writer who makes you think about things. Very funny, too. Um, and he has a really heartfelt, heart-centered approach in dealing with some challenging things. And that, that, that show is about um, identity in America and the relationship between indigenous people and uh, a sense of belonging on, on multi, from multiple perspectives. I really enjoy it. It's, really, it's very mercurial because it is, is showing uh, different life perspectives. But, but again, with, with trying to smash some of the stereotypes that we make assumptions about those different factions and different cultures. Really enjoyable. I, I highly recommend it. I think it's on Apple TV or something like that. Um, and, and the other show I wanted to recommend is this show called Ted Lasso that is starring Jason Sudeikis. Sudeik Sudeikis? I don't know. He's from SNL. And it's about a, uh, a football coach from America that goes to England. It's kind of a fish out of water story where he's going to England and is kind of being set up to fail um, by a soccer team, a professional soccer team. And everyone hates him. And he's winning them over just through being sincere, through being nice, through being like unshakably optimistic. It's just a really, it's a feel good show. And it, it is really beautiful to see someone reacting with so much grace to people that are actively um, hoping that he fails. And it's something that I've been, you know, I've been watching this and saying, you know, man, I want to incorporate that type of energy into my life because I think that that's really a key to success is some of that hope and that optimism. And even when people are treating you with disrespect, if you can flip the script and try to, you know, brighten someone's day, it really can go a long way. And it really is an interesting show, along with Rutherford Falls. And Tanya is pointing out that it's interesting because it has a bunch of indigenous showrunners and writers. Yeah, it's half of the people that write that show. There's at least five out of the 10 writers of that show were indigenous. And, and it, it's really fascinating to see, um, you know, that life from that perspective. They've made it very, very human. And again, it's smashing stereotypes. And, and it's really an awesome uh, exercise to go through. And there's questions of identity from like the, the, you know, the character, the other characters in the show that are trying to let go of their history. Um, 
without giving too much away, I think I actually think that that show is a great way of thinking about this eclipse. And I'm going to I'm going to tell you about it in terms of this eclipse. So here let's go to the eclipse here. So we can see we've got the sun at 5 degrees of Gemini opposite the moon at 5 degrees of Sagittarius. The moon is conjunct the south node. All right. K2 which was the severed body of a demon in Jyotisha that, you know, kind of was processing old things. It's think of it as like a doorway where things are leaving. Eclipses are definitely narrative chapter markers where new things are coming in at the new moon solar eclipses and, and things are leaving at the full moon, um, at full moon lunar eclipses. I, I think I said that correctly. New moon solar eclipses. Sometimes a new moon solar eclipse will be conjunct the south node. So we have to kind of look at where, particularly where it is. In this case, though, this, the moon is conjoining the south node. So belief systems are being processed. Old belief systems, old narratives are being processed and let go of. And what is coming in is being able to see things from a new perspective. Now, like I said, without giving away too many spoilers, there is a character in Rutherford Falls uh, named Nathan Rutherford, who is a historian. And he's very, um, he's very tied to his family's history, right? His, his kind of colonial, uh, you know, colonial family that he runs a history museum and he's very proud of his heritage. And there is a lot of conflict around um, a statue that needs to be moved uh, about land rights. Uh, and we see things from his perspective as a, a colonial person. And we see things from the perspective of the indigenous folks that are running a casino on in the town as well, and their struggles to create um, equality in the town, and to uh, reclaim some of the stolen heritage that they had. Tanya's warning me not to have spoilers. So I'll give spoiler alerts if I'm giving away too much. And I'm trying to say some things without saying too much. But really, the themes are, uh, there is this really interesting dichotomy of a young indigenous woman who's trying to rejoin her community and find acceptance through her, her history and through her heritage, and another gentleman who is trying to let go of his maybe overly idealized version of his history, okay? And I think that it's about shifting belief. They're both going through the challenges of shifting a belief system. One maybe of, of belief that, that, you know, that you needed to move away from your heritage to, to be uh, accepted. And another person where their, their false belief was that they had to be attached to their heritage to find acceptance. So really, it goes through questions of identity. And I really think that that's part of this eclipse. I think that a lot of the media that we see in the world, good shows are stories, they're narratives, they're, they're our modern mythology. And we're going to see themes that come up related to what we're going through as a collective if we have sensitive writers. And as a collective right now, a lot of the themes that we are going through are what does it mean to have identity? What beliefs are we going to carry with us into the future? And which ones do we need to return to the annuals of time and to the earth? Which ones are worth 
holding on to? Which universal ideals are worth holding on to? Which ones are, are oppressing people? Okay, that's the, the reality is that sometimes a story becomes outdated and it, and it doesn't serve anyone anymore except maybe a small portion of privileged people. And that's not sustainable because we're, we're collectively we are a human family and and if there's certain narratives that are not serving us as a collective they're not going to be functional and they're going to lead to discord they're going to lead to inequality they're going to lead to suffering so i think that part of this is how do we alleviate suffering through letting go of some of the old stories that aren't serving us anymore and we're going to be doing that as a community and we're going to be doing that as individuals. So what I want you to do is I want you to look at the two houses in your chart that you may need to find some more curiosity, where you may need to sit with not knowing the Gemini area of your chart, where there is some ambiguity and become an explorer. And there may be something in the Sagittarius ruled area of your chart where you need to let go of an old belief that just isn't serving you anymore. Just, just an example. I'm a Leo ascendant. So the Gemini planets are going to be in the 11th house. I need to get curious about how I fit in with the community, whether it's the astrological community, whether it's the greater society in general. I have to ask questions, right? I'm having all these questions come up about how do I reintegrate into the collective after this traumatic experience? I'm having the moon become full in the fifth house of children, right? Like I have a 17 year old daughter, people. We're trying to figure out how to uh, integrate an almost adult into adulthood and shift some of the narratives around uh, being a kid versus being an adult and what that means. And there may be things in my life where I have to let go of the old stories that have at one point were true as far as like relating to a young person versus relating to an adult, you know, and, and, and that's part of this eclipse energy as well. So you could see like this could happen in, in your life or in various different areas of your life. If I, you know, I know that people want me to go through every single rising sign. Maybe I'll do that at the end, but It'll add another 40 minutes to our video here. Maybe I'll make a separate one that's shorter with, with all of those. Or reach out for a reading, um, and I will be happy to go through this in extreme depth with you and look at how it's affecting all of your personal planets as well. Just looking at the chat here, uh, Tanya says, Pisces can definitely have an affinity for the sweet, sweet nectar. Yeah, that's true. No spoilers. Uh Susanna says, I've often noticed that astrological transits can be found from what comes from TV, just like from the books we read. Exactly. And Tanya says, pray for us. Yes, pray for us as a family, um, <laughs> having a teenager, almost an adult. But yes, going back to Susanna's point, absolutely. You know, this is the way that uh, symbols and archetypes work. This is how astrology works. Astrology gives us a set of archetypal themes, but there is a myriad of ways that they can express themselves in our consciousness, in our physical reality. And 
they're going to come through. Well, think about it. If the planets are affecting us as people, or if they are not just affecting us, but if they are reflection of where we are at, if they are syncretized, if there is synchronicity between what is happening externally with the planets and what is happening internally in our consciousness, a reflection of each other, who makes the art? Who makes the stories? We do. You know, if we're thinking about things, that's what art, good art does. It reflects our reality back to other people and to ourselves. So as an artist, you're going to be experiencing something and you're going to want to create something based on your experiences. So it is, it would be impossible for our art not to reflect our inner realities. And yes, there could be some arguments made that sometimes people will make things for profit or for gain that doesn't illuminate any greater spiritual truths. But I will argue that even some of that surface level stuff, you know, will still reflect our deeper spiritual reality, but from a really distorted almost type of view, right? And look at like any trends that are happening. Like you can see fashion trends and fads and, and things like that reflected in the astrology as well. So again, as above, so below, as within, so without, as surface, so depth. I really do think that those two things are reflective of each other as well. And this may be some of the, the things we're trying to hold, the dualities we're trying to hold with this eclipse also is, whoops, that was a, that's a weird one. Um, when we have full moons, we have an opposition. And we don't always have to solve an opposition. We just have to hold the opposites, right? So there will be things in our life that we're exploring on a surface level, maybe. Although I think that that, is, that does a disservice to Gemini. Gemini isn't necessarily superficial. Gemini is more like it, it is trying to explore different possibilities. It just moves quickly. And sometimes we can glean what we need to know quicker than others. Whereas, you know, Sagittarius could be about, you know, taking action on our imagined pathways. So there is going to be some kind of difficulty. Okay, let me let me stop my share for a minute here. We're going to look at three cards here. We've got the sun in Gemini. And this is the eight of swords, where a blindfolded figure who is really having difficulty moving forward because of the imagined different pathways. So this is a little bit of paralysis by analysis where we're maybe overthinking things and say, I don't know which way to go and I feel bound. But it's not really that she has these tight bindings. It's, it's kind of a more, it's a mental binding. Whereas like the moon is going to be in this eight of swords decan, the, the first decan of Sagittarius, which is about speed, okay? Which is about moving towards a goal. That's one thing I wanted to point out is we have all these different directions, these different possibilities with Gemini 1, but we have a unified goal that we're saying, yes, that's what we want. We're going to move towards that, that we have with uh, Sagittarius 1. And we're going to have to figure out how we can uh, you know, balance the two at this eclipse. We may have to choose a different goal. We may have to let go of some old goals that we have and get curious about something new in our life. Okay. Because the new moon eclipse that happens on June the 10th is going to happen in Gemini. So this is, that will be an eclipse of curiosity of being able to hold ambiguity and, and, 
uh, duality where you're not going to necessarily have the capital T truth. There may be a lot of lowercase t truths, relative truths. And I think that that was something that came up in like that show, like Rutherford Falls. What was true for one person was not necessarily true for another. And they had to come to, to hold that duality that just because something was true in the past does not make it uh, functional and true today. The other thing that's going to happen is Jupiter is going to be squaring this eclipse. So here's our, our eight of cups coming in where, you know, we're, we're, we're really trying to find meaning. Okay. We're trying to go off in search of, of what is that an, real animating principle that's going to tie it all together. And Jupiter is in an overcoming square with the sun right now. And it may feel like we have a, an abundance of options an abundance of directions that we could go. We don't have all the clarity that we need yet. Um, I'm looking at the chat box here, checking in. Um, Casey says, I have Sagittarius in the 12th and a, a Sag stellium, including a triple conjunction, conjunct the eclipse point upcoming in Gemini will be conjunct my north node in the sixth. Wow. So you're going to have a fun time, um, probably potentially letting go of some old uh, narratives that may be holding you back or maybe self-sabotaging. Okay, with, with Sagittarius in the 12th, you don't want to um, hang on to the old beliefs that could get in the way of moving forward. And with that eclipse coming in your sixth house, there may be some new, um, some new routines that you have to go through. There may be some work coming your way that you'll have to get curious about. Uh, there may be you know, new things in your life that you have to take on that you might not get credit for right away but you still have to kind of do it because it's the right thing to do. That's a lot of six house energy is I found with six house transits, there's stuff coming into my life and I've got to kind of suck it up and do it. I may not get all the, the praise that I want, but I kind of just have to work through it and deal with some of the shifts and turns of fortune. Um, Ilaria says, I wonder where the hot summer trend comes from astrologically, maybe Venus and Gemini. Maybe, like, uh, and, and do you mean the hot, the the new hot trends in general? Um, yeah, I think that that Venus definitely has a, a role to play in that. Um, I think that we react as human beings to a lot of different planetary placements. Um, you know, think about like people were creating fashion out of masks for a period of time. We could say maybe the Saturn was in. in in influencing uh, a trend on some level too. So I think it's a, I think it's a, a lot of different things, but I will say Venus does have concern with uh, aesthetics and, and what we find pleasurable. So I think with Gemini Venus running the show right now, there's, you know, multiplicity, lots of different things could grab our attention, you know, like, like having a, a variety kitsch could be something that we could be attracted to right now as well. Susanna says, if you don't want to go through all the rising signs, maybe the ones that are present in the chat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think I did that with Ilaria's. Um, <laughs> you guys are funny. Uh, Susanna is a Capricorn rising, so she'll be having this eclipse in the 12th and the 6th house, right? D I think I went over that with, with um, Ilaria's question. 
So again, for you cap risings, letting go of old belief systems that could be self-sabotaging could, could really be part of the, the eclipse here. Um, Susanna says, I've got Saturn at two Gemini and my daughter has the moon at two Gemini transiting North node is close. Yeah. Yeah. My daughter's got the moon at four degrees Sagittarius. So this one's going to be rocking her moon also. So I, Hang in there, Susanna. <laughs> Hopefully our kids will be all right with these eclipses. Um, I think we're 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 getting Marsed and Cancer pretty pretty hardcore right now. Um, Casey says, universal healthcare sounds pretty good right about now. Kind of worried about my health with that sixth house eclipse. I'm with you. I'm I'm on the universal healthcare train. Uh, I think that with the eclipse happening in your sixth house, it probably is important to take care of yourself and to make sure that you have positive, healthy routines in your life and that you're making sure that if there is any misfortune that comes up in regards to your health, that you're not ignoring it. I know that I had an eclipse. I think it was a, a full moon eclipse where something, it was on the south node over my 12th and 6th house axes. And it was in Capricorn, which is, has to do with the bones and the teeth and the skeletal structure. And the day of the eclipse, I bit into a really tough piece of jerky and I cracked one of my wisdom teeth. Um, I cracked a chunk out of my wisdom teeth, uh, one tooth, and it was very painful. Um, and I had to go to the dentist and I had to, had to, I was given the choice of giving, getting the tooth removed and having like really intense oral surgery that I didn't want to have. And I asked them to give me six months to like do some, some of my own research and my own work. And I did some research with trying to heal my teeth naturally. I changed my diet completely. Uh, I was taking some supplements that have to do with uh, remineralizing the teeth. And I actually, six months later, they were like, you know what? The decay has stopped. I don't know what you're doing, but you, the decay hasn't gotten any worse. And I bought myself some time to the point where at the next eclipse, I had another appointment and they had this treatment from Japan that had just been you know, approved that is usually for like toddlers that can't have fillings because it was too deep to get a filling that, that there was like this treatment that they put on the tooth that would kind of seal it and, and stop the decay. And that, that actually made all the pain go away. And so what I had done is, is I, through the changing of my habits, the six house habits, I was able to create a better outcome from something more difficult. So I hope that that helps with, with what's coming up for you. Um, just, it is a difficult place. There's probably some misfortune that you might experience, but through doing the difficult work and being courageous and, and, and really sucking it up, right? You'll be able to move forward with that and hopefully bring some grace into your situation. Um, Mindful Chai Retreats. Hey, how you doing? Um, I don't know your first name, but nice to see you here. It says, Sag, Stellium, Sun, Mercury, Venus, Mars, in the fifth house. Pisces moon, Leo rising. Thank you for your wisdom. Also in lockdown in India, strange times. Well, mindful chai retreat. I, you know, I wish you luck in India. I think that this is the, something that we have to understand right now is that other parts of the world are still suffering greatly from this pandemic and India has been having a real rough go. So I, I extend my, um, heartfelt thoughts and, and, um, you know, hoping for the best for all of you over there. And I hope that you're staying safe and that um, you're able to 
to make it through on the other side of this because it's it's tough and it's a it's a very populated uh, country and it's probably very difficult to to find uh, what feels safe at that point. So hopefully you're doing you're doing okay over there. Um, Sad stellium sun fifth house yeah, so you may be going through some similar things with me with this Leo rising right with having to let go of some beliefs. So it's maybe associated with kids, but other ways we take pleasure too, and figuring out how we're going to reintegrate into society eventually. Laura Chung. Hello, Laura. Sag rising eclipse conjunct my Uranus. Oh boy. <laughs> oh wow. That'll be a fun experience. There may be some shocking events that come uh, up. I, I don't know what house that would be for you, but anytime you have something conjoining Uranus, unexpected liberating events uh, it may be painful at first, but I think that, remember, Uranus has some Promethean energy associated with it, where we are um, trying to move forward. So the, the shakeups of your routines may liberate you from some old pattern or some old belief in particular, I think, that may have been outdated. And it may come through this like humbling experience, this tower card experience. But you'll be better off from from the fall with that, okay? Like anytime we embrace kind of the Uranian shakeups, I think sometimes we can we can rebuild in a way that is stronger. Um, my nodes flipped in the third, in the ninth, okay. Mindful chai retreat session. Which minerals did you take for your teeth? Uh, a number, but but a couple just off the top of my head here. And I'm not a doctor, so this is not necessarily medical advice, but this is what worked for me. First of all, there's a woman named Nadine Artemis that talks about healing um, your teeth naturally that has a lot of great stuff on her website, Living Libations. I, I give her a plug because I got some some kind of oil that I used as like toothpaste sort of. It has neem, neem oil as one I would highly recommend um, that kills bacteria in, in your teeth and things of that nature. I take uh, CoQ10 um, which helps to remineralize. I take MSM. Vitamin K is really important, so dark leafy greens. And I eliminated phytic acid from my diet. So phytic acids is something that creates decay in the teeth, and we get it in like grains and nuts and things like that. I've since you know, incorporated some more of those things back into my diet, but when I was trying to heal my teeth, I eliminated all those things for a period of time. Of course, sugar also is something, if you eliminating sugar, but CoQ10, neem oil, vitamin K, vitamin K2, right? Um, and fermented cod liver and fermented butter oil. Th those two things really helped me to move forward with my, with my dental health. Okay, I'm going through the chat here some more. Um, Ilario says, I am a beginner in my astrology and just found out about eclipses. I noticed that most of my and my husband's main life events were all a month away from eclipses. Well, yeah, eclipses, again, if you're new to astrology, if you're new to eclipses, these are supercharged new and full moons. Full moons are where things are coming to a peak and then receding. And then the, the energy is, is, is kind of, you know, we're coming to a tension point and then a release. New moons are seeds being planted and are the things that are going to be growing over a period of time. Now, eclipses don't just play out over a one-month period like a, like a new moon or a full moon would. They play out over like a six-month period. Okay, they, they play out over, I believe there's like meta-cycles, like 
there's a six month period, there's like an 18 year period that we're, we can look back on. So again, these are, think about it like this. You're watching one of your new shows and you're watching the pilot, okay, at the new moon solar eclipse and you're getting an idea of what the show is going to be about, but you got to let the story unfold over the episodes. Whereas maybe a full moon lunar eclipse is, it's the end. It's, it's the series finale. And you're saying, okay, I'm, I'm wrapping this story up. I'm tying it up on a bow. We were watching the end of the series, uh, Rutherford Falls, the first season. And we were also, as a family, we watched the end of the series, Community. We hadn't really gotten through the entire series. And it, that was kind of a wrap up, right? So think about it in that way with the stories wrapping it up, but a new story is beginning. Um, this eclipse is conjunct my Uranus too, six degrees Sag in the 12th house. Oh boy, all you, all you Uran Sag Uranians are in for a fun eclipse. That's for sure. Just roll with the punches is what I will say. Roll with the changes. You know, there's going to be some stuff that comes up that may take you by surprise, but it, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be all bad. And even if it does appear to be painful on the surface, the, the universe has a plan. I think that's the way you can deal with that. Global Music says, neem is good. Forgot about that. Haven't used that in years. Yeah, neem oil is great. I use a toothpaste that has neem oil in it now. The the the, the kind of um, yogi serum is what it's called from Nadine Artemis has like neem oil, uh, clove oil, um, cinnamon oil, like all of those things that, that, that um, they're kind of like getting rid of uh, decay and getting rid of, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? I'm drawing a blank right now. Uh, well, anything that's going to, oh, somebody help me out here. I've got a 20 second delay. Um, what is that word? Oh, geez. Well, whatever. It, it's making it so that you're, that those little microbes, microbes are not, it's antimicrobial, right? It's, it's antibacterial. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. Okay. So it's getting rid of the bacteria in our mouth, healthy gums. Okay. Um, Tanya says her book is Holistic Dental Care, The Complete Guide to Healthy Teeth and Gums. Yes, that is a fantastic book and has a lot of other things. I also made this tea from nettle, dandelion, and horsetail that I would drink every day. So that was another important thing in my remineralization protocol. Uh, and she talks about that in her book. Uh, Yevgen says, how can we interpret when the natal nodes conjunct by the flipped nodes, in my case, the north node in Sag and the north and the south node in Gemini. So you're having a nodal return, but flipped. Um, that is a big question. I, I think you have to think about it in terms of increase and decrease, though, right? And there may be things, there may be an increase in the necessity for you to let go of things, right? If that's your, your south node. So you've got the you're maybe having uh to find more unity because you're increasing the north node right i don't know it's it, i think balance would be the key i think if the short answer with that would be balance is there will have to be exploration balanced out with moving towards a goal one of the things that i wanted to yeah antifungal somebody says as well um one of the things that i wanted to point out with Sagittarius one is the daimon or the spirit associated with that decan of this lunar eclipse is called Loimos. And Loimos was kind of this spirit associated with um, 
spreading of disease. <laughs> like, so maybe it's the end. Maybe it is sort of the end of, of the, the peak of this kind of disease spreading. But also you can think about spreading enthusiasm, right? So, so loimos can also be about uh, letting go of, of our enthusiasm in a certain level as well and getting curious about something. So, so try not to get too fixated on one particular goal because it may be an outdated goal, okay? It, we're, we may be trying to move towards something that isn't realistic anymore. Reality has been changing significantly. The world has been changing. And we have to like think about how we're going to interact with this new reality that we're faced with, right? With this new air age, I guess we could call it with the Jupiter-Saturn conjunctions in air signs instead of earth signs. I have a feeling that this pandemic, it's not a one-time thing. I think that this may be something that may cycle around fairly uh, quite a bit over the next few years. We're probably gonna have some backtracks every once in a while. We may have to mask up and social distance again just because, you know, in the air age, over the course of history, you know, a lot of illnesses have been passed through the air and things of that nature. So we may have to get more comfortable doing things remotely like this. I, I, it's a possibility. So again, we have to stay flexible and we have to, to uh, I think, decentralize a little bit and sort of accept things as they are coming and be open to, to finding a new way to deal with them. Okay. Um, Global says, I'm a newbie to astrology. Thank you for your live. Thank you, Global Music. Uh, thank you for being here today. We're seeing a lot of new faces today. I'm really excited about that. Um, antimicrobial. Yeah, Tanya, that is correct. That is what some of those oils are doing. Casey says, I feel like the inverse nodal returns are an invitation to use the gifts of the south node to further the cause of the north, similar to mutual reception. I like that, Casey. I like that interpretation quite a bit. Um, I think that there, that is one way of looking at the nodes is like we come into something with the south node energy, right? And we have to process it. So this may be leaning into with the, with the north node, increasing your ability to process old narratives, your ability to process old energy, uh, increasing your flexibility to be able to let go, right? With the south node in Gemini natally, you're increasing the, the with the, and the north node conjunct it, transiting you're increasing your ability to be flexible to uh maybe also though to let go of too many different pathways right i think that it's a balance between those two but i like the way casey put that in the chat box um i'm going to move forward for a minute here these are all great comments and suggestions um so just just to kind of wrap up this particular lunation here, this full moon lunar eclipse, square with Jupiter. So again, that is going to bring a lot of possibilities, okay? Maybe even some confusion. We may feel like leaving something behind in search of something new. We also have Mercury is going to be slowing down and turning retrograde on the 29th of May. We also just had Venus making its evening rise where it, it got outside of the 15 degrees of separation from the sun and it's visible now 
So in, in the Gemini area of your chart, there, Venus is now visible. There is a way for Venus to be able to create harmony in that area of your life now, whereas before it was hidden, things were happening behind the scenes, Venus was under the beam, so being harmed. So it may be a little bit easier now to bring harmony into that life and to, and to reconcile some of the dualities in your life. And there may be something that is coming to light over this weekend, even in general. Okay. Like I've got some cool things in the hopper that I, I don't necessarily want to uh, reveal yet here, but are going to be revealed really soon this week. I've got some nice, uh, some nice ast astrology opportunities coming, coming my way here and coming your way because you'll be able to benefit from them as well. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Really excited about uh, some opportunities coming up in the next weeks ahead and into the summer. But it, it's probably going to be like a, re a revelation with Venus coming outside the beams of the sun. Um, I wanted to briefly touch on the square and then the, the new moon eclipse. I'll do another live stream at the new moon eclipse, so I won't go too much in depth to that one because we've already gone pretty long today and I want to go do uh, some um, I Ching stuff. So here we're going to have the first quarter moon on June 2nd. So you could see that we've got a square between the moon and the sun. So the moon in Pisces and the sun in Gemini. So the, this is happening in the second decan of each of these signs. So what I would say is, is last quarter moons tend to be, here we go, roughly at about 12 degrees. Okay, 12 degrees of each of those. I don't have to go completely back, but you get the idea. That's uh, a square. And last quarter moons are kind of existential crises where we're changing our mind on something. So the moon in that decan is really about uh, what kind of wish are you going to be making? That's the kind of the, the nine of cups card. Uh, you have to be careful with that decan because there is uh, some sorcerer's apprentice energy in that decan as well, where it's easy to overestimate your power. So be careful that you don't pursue your dream and overestimate your power at this last quarter moon because we may be letting go of things around this period as we as we really clear the decks for a new start at that new moon lunar eclipse so there's a lot of significations of like flying too close to the sun around this period of time so around june 2nd just be very careful that you're not overdoing it and that you're not getting too idealistic about what you're what you're moving towards Again, Mercury is going to be retrograding around that period of time as well. So there's going to be some reviewing before we move forward. All right. Um, let's go forward. And one of the things I wanted to point out, if you're new to astrology, eclipses generally come in pairs or in threes. So we have one eclipse that will kind of set the tone. And then we have this transition period in between eclipses that Austin Coppett calls the Bardot period. Uh, and the, a Bardot period is like a liminal space. It's the in-between space where everything's kind of up in the air. So eclipses will shake things up. It will cause us to let go of old things. It will shake things, uh, you know, to the, to the, sometimes it'll shake them to the ground, okay? And we get to rebuild over the course of the, the next few months, the things that we were released and the new things that were coming in. So just be really careful between eclipse periods that you don't rush the process. Uh, I wouldn't overly commit yourself in between eclipses because 
everything's being rearranged. Think of it like you had a puzzle and someone came along and said, okay, I'm going to just knock all the pieces off the table and now you've got to put them back together. Or like a chess game and you finally completed the final move, the chess ma- the checkmate, and maybe someone who you were playing was upset and they were like, oh, screw this. <laughs> they hit the board. <laughs> like now you got to set the pieces back up and start playing the game again. All right. But, but recognize that this is a, a time where everyone's going to feel uncertain and you're not alone and feeling some of the uncertainty. And sometimes if we can just, uh, this is some advice I've been giving to my daughter. She's having a lot of things uh, leave her life recently that she came to, to, to count on, you know, like, like jobs she was expecting to do, like, like su- support systems in her life. And what some of the advice I had for her is some same advice I'll give to all of you. Sometimes when we're experiencing shakeups and loss and, and hardship, um, we don't have to do anything necessarily right away. Sometimes what we have to do is get still first and, and come back to center and find that place internally that nothing can touch, that this wheel of fortune that's spinning can't touch. And if you get centered and if you get grounded, you're going to make a much better choice with more clarity to move forward with the new energy that is required of you. If you start flailing, like think about if you had like a breakup or something and you start flailing, you start like throwing it out there to anybody who will give your attention. You may make some bad choices like a rebound, right? And it's important not to flail when we experience some of those hardships. Sometimes it's okay to get still to say the, the choice I'm making right now is to just live in the ambiguity, to live in the not knowing. And the, the right answer will reve- reveal itself to you if you can get quiet. You know, you're just creating more noise and maybe digging the hole deeper if you, if you, you know, try to take an action too quickly, especially when you're, when you're faced with things that are painful, hardship and loss, right? Um, so again, if we move forward to that, that's the last quarter moon. Allow yourself to, to let go of maybe an over-idealistic view uh, and, and get curious about something. So when we get to this new moon eclipse, it's going to be in the second decan of Gemini on the 10th. And that'll be a, a really important new start Okay, in the Gemini area of your life. We have a Mercury Kazemi where Mercury is conjoined the sun. So Mercury is getting con- infused with like really important messages around this period of time. All right. We also are going to have on the 11th, I believe something else important is happening. Oh yes. The Mars is going to be moving into uh, Leo out of its fall in cancer. And then shortly after that, Jupiter is going to retrograde at the end of the month on the 20th around the solstice. Okay. So, so again, really important energies coming in and you probably don't have a good idea exactly of how it's going to look like yet. Okay. I think there's going to be some surprises along the way. So if you're feeling unmoored right now, go with that. And this period of time between now and the 10th is about letting go of the old stuff, the old beliefs, the old goals, the old motivations, and being curious and getting curious about something new. Okay. If I had to sum it all up in that, in that regard. Now to finish this off, I'm going to do, I'm going to show you the I Ching reading that came up. I really enjoy studying the I Ching 
and I've been a book that I've been recommending over the course of the last few weeks is uh, The Laws of Change by Jack M. Balkin. Really great book. He's a Harvard or Yale law professor, sorry, but he really is very fluent in the I Ching and and really it's the best interpretation I've seen as far as being grounded, practical, and shining illumination onto this very ancient document. Okay, so we have hexagram number nine changing to number 10. We've got two changing lines. And number nine, a number of, of uh, names for this hexagram. Small accumulation, the taming power of the small, taking care of the little things, using gentleness and friendly persuasion temporarily held back, but the rain will come. Remember at the beginning of this, I said, dark clouds, but no rain. So again, we, we, we see all the elements, okay? We see all the elements that are, that are present for moving forward, but there's just some final thing that hasn't happened yet. And we feel all the tension of a thunderstorm, but we can't like yell at the thunderstorm or like shoot arrows into it, Sagittarian style to make it rain. Okay, we, we, we have to wait for nature to take its course, but knowing that relief will come, but we just have to kind of allow it to happen. I know that like recently, as I get older here in my 40s, I'm dating myself, but so it goes. Um, whenever a storm is coming, I feel the barometric pressure. I feel it in my knees where I had surgery in my knees. I feel it in my teeth where I've had like some challenges with my teeth. I get a headache and it's just like, oh, I just want this pressure to, to leave. But there's not much I can do about it. And, and I feel much better when the rain actually comes, right? So that's where we're at. We're feeling this pressure right now. Like we feel like we have to do something, but we don't, we can't yell at the clouds to rain. We can, maybe we can do a rain dance. Maybe we can do a prayer. Uh, maybe we can surrender to it. Okay. But ultimately there is a force that is greater than us that's in charge. Okay. Um, there are two changing lines with this. One says, cart and axle separate. Husband and wife roll their eyes at each other. So some of the notes I wrote down for this is there's perhaps a sense of overconfidence. Okay. We, we have this Jupiter and Pisces being like, ah, let's just get, get unfettered, right? Minor difficulties that are looming larger than expected. Possibilities of accidents or unforeseen vulnerabilities. Um, it, one of the notes was a more powerful opponent than you thought. Don't, don't force matters right now. And maybe we're getting a little bit uh, overly ambitious about rejoining society whole, wholeheartedly. I think stages, okay? Like I still go outside right now with my mask on. I know that's extreme. And not everybody has to do that. That's just my comfort zone. But maybe I'll start to meet up with people with my mask outdoors. And then step by step, I'll start to feel more comfortable being more social with people. But again, I really think caution is required right now. And this could be in other areas of your life too. It doesn't have to be the pandemic. It could be like maybe there's something you're trying to move forward with in your life. And don't underestimate that there could be some conflicts that you don't completely understand yet that you'll have to sit with the ambiguity. Line number four says, if one is sincere, blood vanishes and fear departs, no blame. So this is really about being honest, being sincere in your dealings with others to eliminate the anxiety that you may be feeling, 
So speak truthfully and from the heart. I'm being honest that I don't feel 100% comfortable doing all these things this summer yet, but eventually I will. And eventually like there will be a return. Uh, if you tell people upfront and honestly, maybe that'll help reduce your anxiety. Maybe there's compromises that can be made with people in your life. This, this advice really brings me back to that show, Ted Lasso. He's, he found himself in a difficult situation where people were actively rooting against him. And through his sincerity, through his honesty, through his genuine kindness, he eventually begins to win people over. And I really think that's the case here as well. Sometimes when we have a message to deliver, this is another thing to think about. We, we feel like we have to deliver a truth, but seeing another's perspective and being able to adjust the way that we deliver that message may make all the difference. Okay, so instead of forcing your way like Antares and saying, this is how it has to be, blah, 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 sting, sting, sting. We have to get in touch with uh, delivering the message in a patient, kind, and hopefully in a way that takes into account the, the shoe on the other foot and the other perspective and having compassion as well. Okay. This is moving to hexagram number 10, which is called treading, conduct, super, super circumspection, treading carefully, stepping on the tiger's tail. So th this hexagram is really about the behavior that we do that is, you know, about not uh, overstepping our boundaries, about being close to a powerful force, we have to be careful. Okay, we are dealing with powerful forces right now. And we have to, to use those qualities that I just described of kindness, generosity, sincerity, uh, not getting too uh, hubristic or getting too um, high on our own horse, right? Because that can lead to a downfall. Right? When we make assumptions, ask questions. This is a great time for asking questions. And then truly be interested in, in listening to what someone tells you in the answer. Okay. All right. I'm just looking through the chat here. Susanna says, such a good advice. I wish I could tell that to my younger self. Yeah, there's a lot of things I wish I could tell my younger self. But here we are. We can tell it to our younger self um, that is still there. But we can use that wisdom to, to comfort whatever layer of ourself is still active in, in the unconscious. I think this is something I learned from a really great therapist I had, a family therapist, is that that four-year-old, that five-year-old, that 18-year-old is still there. It's just buried under layers of experience. And if you can tell that to your younger self internally into that, that scared young person, uh, you'll become more in harmony with yourself. You'll come into integrity. Really, integrity just means, you know, being more unified, the inner with the outer. So come into harmony with your younger self, right? I think that's the key right now is how can you, how can your, I won't give your age away, but how can your, your elder self come in touch with your younger self and make peace with it, right? Uh, Tanya says, old man yells at cloud. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> In reference to hexagram number nine. Um, yeah. Do you have an onion on your belt? Uh, <laughs> there's, a, there's an episode of The Simpsons where Abe Simpson is, you know, t trying to tell this story. You know, I had an onion on my belt. has a count of the war. You know, and like there's this headline, old man yells at cloud. And it, just, just go check it out. Pretty funny. 
All right, my friends, is there any other questions before we move forward? I very much appreciate all of you being here today. Uh, I hope that that was helpful. Uh, I know that we are, we have different, um, different thoughts about what we're trying to get out of these live streams and things like that. And I'm trying to do my best to be of service, but also to be true to myself. And I'm, I tend to be a detailed, long-winded person. So uh, if that's not your thing, I'm sorry. There's a lot of stuff on the interwebs for more shorter bites, um, but I will try to sum it up in, in the best way that I can and still give you the details that I think are important as well. Um, if you are a fan of this channel, the best and easiest thing you can do is hit the like button. That really helps get this out to the more amount of people. Make sure you're subscribed to the channel. We're trying to get to a thousand subscribers on the YouTube channel. If you can do me a favor and subscribe, that'd be awesome. Um, if you're new, um, if you want to make a material donation, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com. I, I so appreciate all of you who have supported the work that I do here. This is my full-time job now, uh, doing astrology and making these videos and doing readings for people. So you can support that work and give me the time to do the research to make these videos by, by buying me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com. Um, also, I'm for, if you want to get in touch with like kind of the things that are going on, I give readings. Uh, I can sit down and do a transit reading uh, to unpack and unfold some of the eclipse energy for you. I'm also offering a very specific Mercury retrograde uh, reading that is uh, less than my normal rate, where we can go through and look at Mercury retrograde in your chart and see what things we're going to be reviewing and what effects it's going to have on the different parts of your life. Not only is Mercury going to be retrograding through the sign of Gemini, but it will also affect the Virgo and the, um, I'm sorry, it'll be also affecting the Virgo area of your chart so that you will ha be having this kind of, kind of dual sense of purpose that you're going to be uh, exploring. Okay, so if you want to have any questions about that, reach out. There's a book now button on my, uh, all of my descriptions of these videos as well. And uh, yeah, that's what I've got going on. I, I will be doing another live stream for the, the new moon solar eclipse before uh, June the 10th, probably a few days before that. I hope to be doing a few videos here and there, but again, I've been pulling back from doing every video and every deck in um, and trying to do more research and, and design more class offerings and things of that nature. But I love interacting with all of you. I hope to be doing more interactive things uh, in the future. And I, I really appreciate all of you being here today. This really fills my heart up to be able to hear your stories and to be able to interact with you directly. Uh, and I'm just going to check the chat box one more time here. Tanya's going to move some laundry. <laughs> we'll do some things around the house. Uh, says, she says, this is a lovely crowd. And I agree 100%. I appreciate all of you. I hope that you have a great day. Have a great eclipse season. Um, try to just be patient with the process. Try not to yell at the clouds. Allow them to do their thing. Eventually the rain is going to come, okay? Be kind to yourself like Ted, Ted Lasso. Be kind to one another. Kill them with kindness, right? If you can stay positive, through, even if things are going wrong or, or feeling difficult, um, I think you're going to come out on the other side, okay? All right? Take care, everyone. We'll see you the next time. Peace.